This is Soccer News IV. Soccer News IV. It's in your veins. Brought to you by SoccerRom.com. From Bumblebee to high school to college to the pros. Before the best coaches go to practice, they go to SoccerRom.com. Hello and welcome. I'm Stephen Parr, the host of Soccer News IV. We have a lot to get through this week, so let's get started. Our top stories... The USN Jamaica battled in North Carolina Tuesday night. It was the last match before head coach Bruce Arena names his 23-man roster for the World Cup. So for many U.S. players, it was a last chance to impress the boss. The two teams tied at 1-1, and both goals were scored in the first half. So the obvious question, who looked good? I'd have to say Ben Olsen. Not only did he get the goal on a quick restart, but he looked solid all night long. He was involved and productive, and I believe he raised his stock at least a little bit. Who looked bad? Well, I don't think Pat Noonan did himself many favors. First of all, he was forced to play left midfield. That's obviously not his best position. He's a striker for New England. It says to me that Bruce believes there are better forwards, and he wanted to see how versatile Noonan could be as a fill-in. Noonan's problem is he's been off form during MLS games recently, and he isn't ever going to be a speed demon, and Jamaica's left midfield and defensive players were all over him. His dribbling wasn't anything special on Tuesday night either, and I didn't see him get off any good services from the outside. The best thing about Noonan, he was the one who got fouled, and that led to the U.S.'s goal. Now, I think the player who looked the worst out there was Frankie Haydock. Look, I normally like watching Frankie. He's unpredictable. And as a fan, it's it's great to watch him because you never know what you're going to get. Now, as a coach, I want to know exactly what I'm going to get. Haydock can have some flashes of brilliance. His work rate is always going to be stellar. The Jamaican goal was his fault. He had drifted into central defense, and he never looked to see where the Jamaican striker was. He got beat by a 19-year-old who plays for the Atlanta Silverbacks in the USL. And once he got beat, he slowed down. He didn't get into the goal to cover behind Miola, who was forced to come out to try and challenge for the ball. Then there were the silly fouls sliding on a player with two sets of cleats up in the air, and the other team's defensive third is just not smart and it should have gotten him a card. Tony Miola earned his 100th cap. He's just the ninth player in the U.S. to do that, and he's the first goalkeeper to do it. Landon Donovan assisted on the goal and, in the process, set a new record for the U.S. of 23 assists. That is now one ahead of Donovan's L.A. teammate, Kobe Jones, and he's done it in fewer games than Jones. So just a side question, if the Galaxy has the top two U.S. assist leaders of all time, then how come L.A. has only one goal in its first two home games? Hmm. In other news, one MLS player is receiving death threats, and his family is in hiding. The Colorado Rapids' Fabrice Noel is from Haiti. He had always wanted to play for racing club Haiti, And in 2002, he turned down an offer from a rival club. 
That's when some of that club's fans gunned down two of Noel's brothers. The gunmen have never been found. They have repeatedly threatened Noel's family, including his remaining brother and sister. And after hiding inside Haiti for three and a half years, the family is now trying to leave the country. They have not seen their son Fabrice since 2002. They need your help. The Colorado Rapids have set up a fund to help pay for travel, medical help, housing, and any legal fees the family may encounter. They are trying to get an emergency visa, humanitarian visa, out of Haiti. You can contribute to the fund. Just send a check to Colorado Rapids Community Care Foundation. Attention, Fabrice Noel Fund. 1000 Chopper Circle, Denver, Colorado, 80204. This week, MLS Commissioner Don Garber talked about MLS expansion during an online chat session. Garber confirmed Toronto will be the league's 13th team and will start playing just next year. The league has entered into an exclusive negotiating period with Rowan University in South Jersey. It's part of the Philadelphia area, the metropolitan area, to build soccer-specific stadium at Rowan University and lure a team into the area. MLS hopes to have a team playing there by 2009. MLS hopes to return to both San Jose and Miami, two former MLS cities. In San Jose, the owners of the Oakland A's seem to be interested, but there is still, quote, work to be done. Garber said there are no such plans for Miami right now, just a wish to return eventually. Garber describes St. Louis and Milwaukee as good soccer markets and likes the potential rivalries, especially with Chicago and Kansas City. But potential owners and stadiums are needed in both markets. MLS wants to get a team into the South. Garber mentioned Atlanta or Orlando. Atlanta seems to be the front runner there, but again, stadium, stadium, stadium. Garber said he also wanted to have an MLS presence in the Northwest, Seattle, Tacoma, or Portland. But there are no plans for that area right now. The league wants to have four new expansion teams by 2010. Toronto is one. Philly is likely number two. And just gauging off the language Garber used in the chat, I say a return to San Jose would be number three. And I would guess either St. Louis or Atlanta. Now, a dark horse? How about a second team in New York? The Red Bull stadiums would be completed by then. And MLS loves the Super Classico in L.A. And finally, we have new pictures of the progress in Bridgeview. The Chicago Fire will play their first home game in the brand-new soccer-specific stadium this summer. It's a lot of S's. <laughs> One Chicago fan, Don Kraft, sent these pictures to us. You can see it on the Enhanced uh, Podcast right now if you're watching in iTunes or on a video iPod. Don says the pitch is looking good. The stadium also looks good. So thanks to Don for allowing us to share those pictures with you. Let's get to the games. D.C. United held off Chivas at home for a 2-0 win. Jaime Moreno hit both goals for D.C. Chivas did hit the crossbar in the 84th minute when the game was still 1-0. That was off a direct kick. Eric Winalda, who was doing color commentary on ESPN2, said it bounced down into the goal and should have counted. And now Waldo... I'm going to have to disagree with you on this. On the replay, there is no green between the ball and the goal line. The hole of the ball must cross the hole of the goal line. I don't think it did. Neither did the ref or the linesman, so it didn't count. 
New England played against the New York Red Bulls in New Jersey, and neither team could score, even though Pelé and Beckenbauer were on hand to watch. And I know it's early in the season, but I'm just going to throw this out. I'm going to let you debate amongst yourselves. Is Clint Dempsey the best dribbler in the league? He's at least in the running. Kansas City Wizards upset the Dynamo in Houston 2-1. This is really a story about the cards, the ones there should have been and the ones there were. Kansas City's Jose Berciaga gets carded in the 55th minute for pushing, holding, and general bad behavior. And immediately after the restart, he's called for a foul. Going in, cleats up on a slide tackle. Now, to me, that means he didn't get the idea of the yellow card warning and needed another card. He didn't get it. It was just a, just a foul, no more cards, and so he stayed in the game. And from there, it got ugly. There were seven total cards thrown in the second half. One was a red card to Houston's Dwayne De Rosario. He earned it <laughs> for retaliating for a rough slide that went uncalled. So now the Wizards are up a man and take advantage. In the 90th minute, Perciaga, still in the game, nails a beautiful goal. And then he taunts the fans and is finally ejected. Scored a goal and got ejected, same play. Kansas City needs to practice its post-goal celebrations. They have been carded on 40% of their goals this season for excessive or inappropriate celebrating. Now, just up I-45, Dallas knocked off Real Salt Lake. It's the second week in a row the Hoops had to come from behind at home. And it's the second week rookie Kenny Cooper scores a goal to help them do it. Watch out for that kid. He's huge, and he's going to be good. Colorado picks up a win at home against the Columbus Crew 3-1. It's the Crew's second loss, which is fitting because in both matches they have seemed lost. And L.A. tied Chicago at the Home Depot Center 1-1. Good news, Chicago picks up a point on the road. Bad news, L.A. has only one point after two home games. This week's schedule. It all starts on ESPN2 on Saturday at 4 Eastern as Chicago continues its road trip for Columbus's home opener. At 7.30 on HDNet, the Houston Dynamo hope to electrify United in D.C. Can anyone other than Jamaica stop Brian Ching from scoring? An hour later, the Revolution continue their road trip, this time to Kansas City. You can watch that on Direct Kick. Also on Direct Kick, Dallas hopes to tame the Rapids in Colorado. Kickoff there is 9 o'clock Eastern. And at the same time, Red Bull meets Real in Salt Lake. That game, too, is on direct kick. Finally, the Super Classico in L.A. gets going at 11 Eastern, and that game will be the second part of ESPN2's doubleheader for the day. Well, that's it for this week. I'll be back next Thursday so you can stay up to date. I need to say thanks to SoccerRom.com for all of their support. For Soccer News IV, I'm Stephen Parr. Remember, Soccer News IV, it's in your veins.